Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Alliance Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. In this series, we look at what's happening in the world and how it might impact the insurance industry. Just to remind you, there are already loads of episodes you can listen to. We cover everything from underinsurance, sustainability, business resilience, the skills shortage, and everything you can think of in between. Now, if you want to listen back, you can get all of those episodes online. Today, though, we are going to talk about artificial intelligence. It's hard to get through a day without seeing a headline about it. So today, we're going to look at its impact on business and the insurance industry. AI is reshaping the financial landscape by streamlining customer interactions, enhancing operational efficiency and driving innovation. To talk about this, we are joined by Dave Carey, the Midcorp Managing Director at Allianz. Ben Gower, a partner at Elixir, a challenger consultancy, and Jules Alley, an AI expert. Um, ben, can I just ask you to explain, first of all, for everyone who doesn't know what your business does, what it's all about? Sure. So I'm one of the partner team at Elixir. So we're a boutique management consultancy firm focusing on uh, really challenging both our own industry and helping our clients challenge theirs or deal with the challenges. So lots of the uh, digital disruption, lots of the challenges around uh, meeting higher and higher customer expectations, and then delivering complex digital transformation. That's what we focus in on. And obviously, AI is a big part of that. Yes, because, I mean, Dave, there is so much hype around artificial intelligence, isn't there, at the moment? There is. And it's a bit scary, I think. Scary for customers, scary for our brokers and our partners. Uh, but actually, when you take time to think about it, it's just the latest advancement in technology that we've dealt with over the last few decades, really, and continue to deal with. And it's the latest one that any business, and certainly in insurance, we look at closely to see, can it help us to deliver better, more informed products and solutions? However, the latest developments have got that scary edge to it when people don't understand it. Hopefully, we can demystify a little bit of that at the moment. But my responsibility within Allianz is to make sure whatever technology we have, we take our responsibilities very seriously to ensure that we are responding in an appropriate manner and handling any data, any information in a professional manner. So we're clear that that's a good outcome for our brokers and our customers. Yeah, and I definitely want to dig into some of that. But let me bring in our third guest as well, Jules Alley. Uh, Great to have you on the podcast, Jules. Can you just explain what AI is then in simple terms? Well, Steph, AI stands for artificial intelligence, which makes computers smart and capable of doing things that normally require human intelligence. It's like teaching computers to think and learn like humans do. What AI does is use an algorithm, which are like step-by-step instructions to make decisions. These enable computers to recognise patterns, solve problems and make predictions. AI can also learn from experience and improve over time. Yeah, you can really sense all the benefits that you could get from AI. And Dave touched on as well some of the the fears around it, which I want to talk about. But Ben, I guess this is all about how it's being used, isn't it? One of the key things I wanted to get across in this discussion, I think, Dave, you touched a little bit on how do we as insurers, also how do our brokers, how do our customers deal with this? Really, the first challenge we have with the AI in its current form and the large language models is the challenge it poses to your customers and to your company. And I think the use by individuals from a fraud perspective is one really big challenge. If you're not going to do anything with AI, you still have to understand that because you've got to deal with the vulnerabilities that this technology can allow people to exploit. 
I think the other point as well is from a data protection. If your teams are anything like ours, they want to use technology to be better at their jobs. And so they're quite tempted to put things into certain platforms if it gives them an answer that helps them speed up what they're doing or gets them to a better outcome. And sometimes that information they're not allowed to put into the internet. And then the third one, they might be using those answers and it's not true. Because AI is built on the data that it's fed, it learns off that. And ChatGPT is learning off the internet from 2021 and before. And I don't know about you, but I don't really trust everything on the internet. Um, ChatGPT will allow you to access that in a really convincing way, but it might not be true. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you think the insurance industry understands enough about it? I think we're learning. We're learning all the time. We see the advantages that it can bring, as Ben alluded to, that perhaps we can be faster, more agile, better informed, that leads to better products at a time that our customers want with the use of data blended with people. However, we are still learning. It is developing at a fast rate. And so my biggest concern and where Allianz will start from and stop and be all through any process and what we use and understand is the stuff that we do. We transfer risk from a customer, provide them with products and solutions that are there when the worst happens. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. The product has to be fit for purpose. It has to do what it's going to say at a point in time when you need to access it. So control, governance, compliance, understanding all the controls within any process or technology that you use that's fair, responsible. It's a bit dull, Seth, if I'm honest, but it's exactly what an insurance company should do to instill trust in a customer who parts with their money and expects us to be there. AI and the latest developments that you heard before is a bit scary, but we will adopt the same principles of fairness and the approach of governance, control and compliance as we do through our business. Yeah. And just on that, though, Ben, on on that point about what artificial intelligence can do for us, surely part of it is that it's going to do the jobs that might have been quite dull in the industry in the past. It's going to do that data sifting that might be the dull stuff and actually then allow the people who work in the industry to do the more fun stuff around risk assessment or whatever else. So isn't it a case that it could actually do the stuff that people in the past have seen boring? It's actually that person with this tool will strip out some of the more mundane parts of their job. I think, especially for the insurance industry, this is about empowering underwriters, loss adjusters. It's about empowering brokers to have at their hands the information they need to best advise their customers. And some parts of that and getting to the right answer, as you said, are dull. I don't think I would position AI as a, you know, this is going to remove X percent of jobs because it's the wrong way of approaching what is just the next evolution of a technology tool. Really, we've got to look at it and say, how does it help us? And then ask questions about, well, what does that mean for how we shape our business, how we train our people? And then what do we do about it from a societal point of view as well? Yeah, as you can imagine, in my job now, I am constantly talking to people about artificial intelligence and so, for example, talking to academics about how they're trying to assess whether young people are faking their essays, but by pumping their essays into the system, they're feeding the artificial intelligence with more intelligence to be able to write better essays. Or, you know, is that element? Uh, there was another person who runs a, a big company who was telling me now they use artificial intelligence to monitor their younger staff to see whether they're using certain words on social media. It's just incredible to think of all the potential there that isn't just it's going to do something faster for us it's actually going to be able to help us to look after our staff better to spot things quicker and 
There's so many advantages like that. There are huge positives here. Just simple things where you can get information that maybe take you and give you access to what is the law in a certain area, what is this scenario that enables you to then add the bit that's important to give a view. So you mentioned about looking for signs to protect people and well-being and indicators. It could be that you get a lot of information resources quicker than you ever could before. So when you're asked a difficult question, you're not trawling around for days and weeks and that's available at your fingertips and the real skill then is how you interpret it what you make sure is correct or not but then you're giving an informed answer that maybe gets to the answer that people want so to me there are real positives here and I think the roles for the future will be people who have the ability to assess data quicker deal with lots of different sources because it's available quicker interpret it understand the key elements, maybe these new industries that develop is, is that right? Is that another checkpoint to then reach a landing that you can get a more informed view? But it is to me, and always will be, a blend of what technology can do to help and support, but with the people who can interpret it in the appropriate manner and then apply the judgments that are based on the situation that you're facing. Yeah, uh, let's bring Jules back into this then. Um, Jules, can you explain then how AI can help the insurance industry? AI can analyse data such as customer information, accident reports and policy details. That means it can assess the validity of claims, calculate payouts and even detect fraud. That results in it reducing the need for manual intervention and lead to more precise underwriting. Which all sounds great. So shall we talk then about what the concerns are in all of this? Unless, Ben, there's anything you want to add to what's been said already. As we talk about the concerns, it's important to understand how these models actually work and how they're built. Really, the large language models, ChatGPT and the others, they're built off quite a simple premise, which is you take a word out of a sentence and you ask the computer to guess what that word should be. It gets it wrong, it gradually learns how to get it right, it works out. The most likely answer is this word in this sentence. The large language models have done that on the internet using now billions and billions of different parameters. That's given those models fantastic grasp of how we use the language that we use. But it also means when you ask it to do something like answer a question or create something, it is a probability-based generation. So it might be wrong, it might actually be guessing, so what people call hallucinations, which I think is a bit of a mean term because it's just doing its best with the information it's got and trying to fill in the blank. And then we tell it off for getting it wrong. But actually, we set the parameters of how much it can guess. Is it allowed to hallucinate? And actually, when we talk about the problems of AI, those come from how we've set it up and what we're asking it to do and what we've fed it. And understanding that core mechanism in the middle actually helps us work out which of those issues we should worry about because we can't control them and which of those issues we can control based on how we want it to be used. Um, Dave, do you want to add to that? I like the term hallucinate. Should it be allowed to do that because it's learning? Well, that's where it can't be allowed to do that because it's got to learn and it's got to develop and it's doing it based on the data we've input and it will get better and it should get better as it gets more data and people check it. But allow it to do that in the background as we get used to this technology and it gets to version 2 and 10 and it will learn at a fast rate. But in insurance, which is what I can speak about, because I'm basically protecting people and their assets with the products and solutions we sell, I need that control to give confidence and comfort to broker partners who are selecting Allianz or customers who are buying products from Allianz that we'll check it, we'll monitor it, we'll make sure it's right before we use it in earnest in any of our processes or procedures. I just say that that's spot on, Dave. It's also controlling the data you feed it. So your version of whichever the tool is, Bard or whatever, you train that on your data 
and the key part there, which is going to be the differentiator for insurers and others, is how well can you train it on the right use cases? Because all of that is not in the public domain. So from what you're saying, it's very much AI hand in hand with human control. And do you think that is forever then? Or because, you know, as you've just said, Dave, it's going to learn quickly and get to a point where it isn't making mistakes. And it is for, you know, using your analogy, Ben, picking the right word in the sentence every time. So will that change in the long term, do you think, the reliance of the human control over it? Or do you think it's just that we'll always need that human control? It's going to get better, more accurate in certain places. But if we ask it to do other things, I guess you could think about it in terms of levels. At a low level, using it to take knowledge that already exists and understand that. So your knowledge management in your company, how do we extract an answer to a question that normally you'd go to lots of documents? That's kind of base level that these can really help with. But then above that, you're saying, okay, can you help me with a risk assessment or a submission from a broker? Can you extract what's right and then tell me what the different risks are? That's a bit harder. Can you do that and then give me a recommendation? Now, that's stitching together a load of different things that then become quite complex. And as you go up that chain, you want to have quite a lot of control over it because unless you trained it and you're really comfortable and you're hitting good percentages of accuracy, and as Dave said, it's just a big risk for your business and your customers. Absolutely agree, Ben. But something you said earlier in the podcast, which was relating to, oh, you know, is this a fear for jobs and those jobs? I think your words were those boring jobs to do the more fun jobs will be removed. And we've got to face into the fact that there will be efficiencies gained from this if we do it in the right way. But my view is you repurpose then what you need within your workforce to do potentially more fun job stuff. That's got to be the outcome because the low value repetitive tasks that you can program and and get a machine to learn from and do, actually you can do it much more efficiently, which means you've got more competitive pricing for your products at the end of it. So I I suppose maybe a bad analogy, but we used to go into Sainsbury's and you'd pick up your shopping and you'd go to the counter and there'd be a checkout man or lady and you'd pay and maybe have a little chat and take your stuff away. Now we most of all do a click ourselves and then pay with a card and no one's involved in the process. But there's someone in the background when it goes wrong Mm -hmm. because it does and you don't get it through and something triggers because you're buying a bottle of wine or whatever and you need to check if you're 18. I don't have that problem. That means an example of there are controls and as you go up and you get more comfortable, you get more comfortable that you can automate it fully perhaps. But there are other things and what I think it leads to, Steph, I hope is that it gives us more time with the resource we've got to focus on understanding our customers' needs better. Mm. So we then hone the products that become more bespoke, more unique for their actual risk needs as they change in terms of what they need and they're looking for. That's got to be a win for society, maybe, but certainly for insurance companies to provide relevant products and solutions that customers are looking for. Yeah, because it will provide time for more human interactions, won't it, if there's less of that? I re- oh, God, it was about 10 years ago now, did a story about a company that distributed milk and they completely automated their logistics centre in terms of moving the milk around, getting it into the right vans and crates and everything. And, you know, and the headline in the news was all, is it going to mean our job's going to go? And the unions were kicking off and everything. And when I went there and interviewed the guy, he was like, no, look in this room. This room has got all the people who do all the like programming of the software who you know doing the maintenance are doing all the checks with the delivery drivers and everything that they're still jobs but they're just different and that's the point you're trying to make isn't it Dave it's like yes it'll make us more efficient which might reduce jobs in some sense but hopefully it will mean that you can do more like human interactive stuff which is really important and all of that good stuff I think Steph if I can add two things to that 
We do also have to recognise that this is a creative destruction process, as happens with any economy, any evolution of technology. Certain things will no longer exist and other things will be created. And if we put it in the history of the number of, I don't know, let's say bar staff as a percentage of employment or hairdressers, it's like four to ten times as many as it was because we've got greater disposable income. So we might have lost a load of agricultural workers or people that would wash our clothes before a washing machine. But that's led to greater levels of disposable income and other jobs. So that's really hard to point to in this debate, because you can easily point to a job lost, but you can't easily point to greater disposable income and productivity that's led to someone else getting a a different job yeah because it's yeah. it's it's, un, it's unconnected basically it's really yeah, hard to make that connection it's really hard to measure it but yeah I, that, that's the kind of vibe I've, I've got from all of this uh, let's bring our third guest in on this as well because you've got something to tell us haven't you Jules are you human or a robot that's right Steph I'm an artificial intelligence language model developed by OpenAI. I'm not a human but I've been trained on a vast amount of data to understand and generate human-like text while I can't physically speak I can have my responses read out loud. <laughs> it's um, it, it's fascinating, this, isn't it? They're trying to work out what AI's been used in, what hasn't. So, for example, in my house, I've got a three-year-old little girl and every night, read her a book, but she's now started asking for stories. And the other day, she specifically asked for a story which involved a Frankenstein, a scary mummy, and, um, I don't know, a couple of skeleton. And my partner was in the other room. And then... I delivered this great story about these three characters and then I left the room and my partner said, wow, that was incredible. How did you make that up? I went, oh, no, I use chat GBT. I just put in, can you create me a kid's story with these three things in? So it's an interesting one, isn't it? Did you think our chatbot was real or a computer? I, I didn't think it was real. <laughs> just, to be, just to be clear, I think, I, I mean, it's a lovely voice, I have to say. Um, so well done, Julian. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's the thing, and also you're you're well in the industry though, Ben, and you're you're used to this, um, Dave. There might be people who don't recognise that it was um, a chatbot, though. Uh, Steph, I sincerely hope that I come across a little bit more natural <laughs> than the uh, person on the end of that. But you know, our, our listeners can tell us with the feedback. But yeah, I hope yeah. So. Um, let's bring things back though, just to to wrap stuff stuff up. Um, what, Dave, do you want? in summary, brokers in particular, to take away from all of this? I'd like our brokers to understand that we are going to look at this. We're going to continue to learn, and they, they should expect us to do that. We're doing that in their best interest, so it can help us to handle their customer queries, the customer opportunities quicker, more efficiently, more effectively, so they've got the best advice we can give on our products and services to provide to their clients. Um, I want to give them comfort that we will have strong controls around any use of this before we go live with it, double check it, check it again, and continue to make sure that that's policed, for want of a better word. So it is fair, responsible, uh, and an approach they'd expect from Allianz when they're dealing with us. Yeah. Uh, and Ben, what would you say in terms of what you, what you want brokers to take from this, particularly any fears they might have how to to deal with those sure so i mean two elements i mentioned it at the start because i think it's really important that the first thing is you make sure that your company and your customers are not at greater risk because of these technology improvements so scams frauds all those types of things um and then the second point is 
this is a learning journey. Dave said a lot there, you know, we're learning, the models are learning. The, the key thing that we help our clients with at Elixir is how do we reduce the cost and the speed of that learning when it comes to applying AI to your business? And how do you do that in a safe environment that doesn't lead to a load of problems? Because if you control what goes into that model and you choose what comes out of it and how much of that you share or don't share and what to use it for, and then you've trained the process in between yourself, then you can have a lot of confidence that it's doing what you want and giving your team a greater experience in terms of their their day-to-day jobs, giving your customers a better experience, loads of things. But you've got to go on that learning journey um, and get started soon. And I think that's a good note to end this on. So thank you very much to our guest, Dave Carey from Alliance and Ben Gower from Elixir. Of course, we did have a third guest whose voice you heard in this podcast as well, in the form of Jules Alley, who was actually a robot. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if quite a lot of you at home worked that out from the response that was given to the questions that I was asking AI. That was generated by an artificial intelligence language model developed by OpenAI based on the GPT architecture. And the answers were then read out by our producer from Fresh Air, Julie. Larkin. I am sure you all noticed that it wasn't a real person answering there. But let us know if you did think it was, because that's the thing with this. Lots of people are just getting to grips with what AI actually is and what it sounds like. Uh, So there you go. Don't forget to subscribe to the series through your podcast app, and then you will never miss an episode. Also, we'd love it if you left us a review too, and tell us whether you thought the robot was real or not. Thanks so much for listening. That's it from me, Steph McGovern, and Alliance Insurance. Bye-bye.